My name is Captain Torelli. I am in charge of security for this facility. We were in a very small, very airless, very brightly lit room. There were no windows. And whenever the door opened, you saw a guy in an Air Force uniform. A tough-looking guy in an Air Force uniform. A tough-looking guy in an Air Force uniform cradling a small machine gun. There was also a bulletin board. On it were small posters reminding everyone that security is our business and exhorting everyone to tolerate zero defects. But there was also something more familiar that caught my eye. One of the little flyers was for the gardens. The gardens is the big combination amusement park and zoo where my mom is one of the vets. Below the flyer was a sign-up sheet bearing a lot of names. Hi, Captain, Marco said. How's it going? The captain glanced over at the lieutenant, who had picked us up. The lieutenant just shrugged. Now look, kids, maybe you don't realize it, but you're in trouble, the captain said. Yes, sir, we realize we made a big mistake, I said. It was totally an accident. We didn't even know there was anything back here in the drylands. And boy, we'd never, ever come back again if you just let us go, that's for sure. I smiled innocently. I nudged Rachel, and she smiled innocently as well. I prayed that Marco would get a clue and smile innocently so we could just... So, where do you keep the alien? Marco asked. So much for Marco getting a clue. The captain pressed his lips tightly together until they turned pale. Then he said, Look, kid, this is an Air Force installation. We don't discuss what we do here. But I am authorized to tell you one thing. There are no aliens here. Yeah, right, sir. Marco snorted. What's your name, son? Um, Mulder. Fox Mulder. Well, you are in a world of hurt, Fox Mulder. You have violated federal law. You could be thrown in prison. Sir, I interrupted. Please just ignore Mar- I mean Fox. Yeah, he's an idiot, Rachel added. He just likes to annoy people. We're just kids, you know? We didn't mean any harm. Couldn't you just give us a warning? A very stern warning, even, Rachel agreed. Normally, that's just what we do, the captain said. We do get our share of Looney Tunes and crackpots out here. He looked directly at Marco as he said crackpots. However, we have ourselves a little mystery here. See, none of you is wearing shoes. The lieutenant's men searched the area. No shoes. And it is physically impossible to have walked across all that undergrowth and through those rocks without shoes. So we're being busted for not having shoes? Rachel asked. Look, what's the big deal, sir? Marco asked. If you have an alien here, why not just tell everyone? The captain gave Marco a long, 
hard stare. I want the three of you to write down your names and your parents' phone numbers on this piece of paper. He shoved a clipboard at Marco. We're going to call your folks. Maybe they'll appreciate your sense of humor. I watched over Marco's shoulder as he wrote down Fox Mulder. Then he followed it by a phone number. Rachel identified herself as Dana Scully. Then it was my turn. And I drew a total blank. See, I don't really watch X-Files. The captain stared at me as I held the pen poised over the paper and sweated. What name? What name? Don't you know your own name? Um, sure, it's Cindy. That's it, Cindy. Cindy Crawford. Marco stared at me. Rachel stared at me. I wrote down the name with a trembling hand and then wrote in some random numbers. The two officers left. There was a loud click from the lock closing. Cindy Crawford? Marco demanded. What are you, nuts? Me? Me? How about you? Every guy in the country knows who Cindy Crawford is. We have to get out of here. Fast. Rachel said. I gave him the phone number for Pizza Hut delivery. I gave him the number for the sports scoreboard recording. Marco said. I just gave him 12345678. I said. Eight? You gave him eight numbers? Marco laughed. Remind me never ever to be a spy with you. Now how do we get out of here? I can morph to Grizzly and... Rachel started to say... No! I cried. These are good guys, and as far as we know, they're not yurks. We can't hurt anyone. We need something small enough to get out beneath the door. I say housefly. I hate doing flies. Rachel shuddered. Ant? No way. Cockroach. Rachel nodded. Okay, I'll do cockroach. Marco looked at her, mystified. Flies gross you out, but roaches don't? But Rachel and I were already busy morphing, and Marco had to hurry to keep up. This time, the floor didn't rise toward us. It leapt. And the changes didn't involve gentle, rather lovely transformation of skin into feathers. This time, the transformation started for Marco with antennae. Two huge, long, spiky antennae just shot straight out of his forehead. Split! For Rachel, the change began with the legs. The middle pair of legs. The ones that grew right out of her chest. Yeah! I yelled, even though I knew what to expect, more or less. Still, seeing antennae come popping out of a friend's head, and hairy, articulated legs from your best friend's chest. Well, it's gross. But I wasn't able to really focus too much on them because I was become distracted by the fact that one-foot squares of linoleum now looked as big as our front lawn, and by the fact that I could hear the sound of every bone in my body dissolving into mush, and by the fact that my skin was turning hard and smooth. Sploot. Legs popped out of my chest. Sprout. And Tanai zoomed out of my head. My own legs shriveled. I fell forward. I stuck out my hands to catch myself, but I no longer had hands. I've changed my mind, Rachel started to say jokingly, but whatever she had wanted to say next was lost, because her pretty human face turned hard and bronze, and her mouth split into the clicking mouth parts of a roach. What I was going to say was, I've changed my mind. Roaches are grosser than flies. 
Rachel said. And that's when we felt the vibrations through our antennae. The heavy vibrations of footsteps. Angry footsteps. It took some practice to use roach senses well enough to understand speech. But we'd had practice. So we were able to hear the captain saying, Pizza Hut, eh? I'll show the little monsters some Pizza Hut. Move it, boys and girls. Rachel cried with the giddy enthusiasm she always has when facing certain death. Raid! Marco yelled. Really funny, Marco. Really funny. I muttered. Can we just get the heck out of here? Air movement. Vibration. Wind. The scent of humans. The door had been opened. It swept over our heads. We each molded our three pair of legs. We were out of there. Chapter 10 Zoom! We blew across highly polished linoleum squares. My six legs motored insanely. My antennae waved wildly. My every cockroach instinct screamed, Run! 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 So we ran. Not that we exactly had any idea where to run. Where are we going? Marco yelled. How would I know? Rachel cried. Head for daylight! I screamed. How do you tell daylight from plain old lights? I don't know. Um, um... I tried to think of how a roach would know the difference between daylight and plain old interior lights. Of course! Roaches are startled and scared by lights. The brighter the light, the scarier it would be. Run toward whatever scares your roach brain the worst! I yelled. Oh, swell. The stupid bug brain is already scared to death. Vibrations. Lots of them. Big, heavy, earth-shaking. We're talking vibrations. Through the muddy, fractured, nearsighted cockroach senses, I saw, or at least felt, massive things falling from the sky. It was like someone was dropping trucks all around me. Footsteps. Shoes the same size as double-wide trailers. Woomph. 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 Look out! There's people walking on us! Marco yelled. Woomph! A monster killer shoe came down from the sky and slammed into the floor just an inch ahead of me. But the roach brain had reacted just in time. The roach brain knew how to not get stepped on. Let the roaches handle this! I said. The roach brains are good at this. Woomph! My roach body scurried out of the way barely avoiding the side of a heel that would have squashed me flat and dead in a split second. Daylight! I think I see daylight! Rachel cried. Lead on! I dimly perceived Rachel's roach morph ahead of me, and Marco was just beside me. Altogether, three scared-as-heck roaches blew toward a bright light. Suddenly, there was a ridge, pretty high to me, even though it was probably not even an inch high. It was the transom of a doorway, I realized, and I knew one thing. I really wanted out of that building. Tobias! I called out. Can you hear me? Are you up there? Yeah, where are you? He asked. And what are you? We are three lost little cockroaches in a big hurry, Marco said. Got you, Tobias said. Thank goodness for those Hawkeyes, Rachel said. 
Now get us out of here. Keep moving and try to bunch up together. And by the way, there's a column coming your way. A column of... Vehicles. Something about the way he said vehicles should have alerted me. But all I could think about was getting close to Marco and Rachel so Tobias could pick us up. We were on concrete now and moving slower. When you're bug size, concrete doesn't look smooth. It looks like you're running across an endless field of small boulders. Concrete kind of glitters. At least that's how it looked to my cockroach senses. And another thing about concrete. At least concrete with the sun beating down on it. It's hot. I'm gonna fry, Marco wailed. Oh man, it's hot. I didn't think bugs could feel temperature this much, I said. Tobias, hurry up, man. We're seriously getting barbecued. Suddenly, a shadow swooped down. I had to fight the urge to panic and run in a completely different direction. Huge, rough-textured talons came hurtling down at amazing speed. The nails scraped along the concrete. One talon hooked beneath me and lifted me up, up, up. Yeehaw! Marco yelled. Red-tailed airlines. No more heat. No more concrete. I was up in the air, wind-whipping. Ah! I was falling. Tobias had lost his grip on me and I was falling, falling, spiraling, tumbling through the air. How far I fell, I can't say. My cockroach morph can't see farther than a few inches. But it seemed as if I was falling for a long time. Falling. Cassie! Tobias yelled. Falling. Cassie! Rachel echoed. What about Cassie? Marco asked. I dropped her! Poof! I hit the ground. Dirt! It billowed up around me as I slammed into it. But I was not hurt. I was on my back. My legs pawed madly in the air. How do you turn one of these things over? I asked. I felt ominous thunder rumbling up through the ground. Cassie, I see you! Tobias yelled. I'm coming for you, but Cassie, you have to move! I can't make it in time! You have to move now! His tone was not exactly reassuring. What's happening? It's that column, Cassie! It's coming right at you! Column? Of what? Troops? Soldiers? No! Tanks! And then I realized it wasn't thunder I was hearing and feeling. Chapter 11 Cassie! Move! Tobias cried as he plummeted toward me in a full-speed stoop. I am moving! I motored my roach legs like a roach caught in a sink. But I was pawing the air. And the thunder was more than thunder now. It was like a continuous, non-stop explosion. Wings! Wait! Roaches have wings! All I had to do was... Too late! Cassie! Something blotted out the sun. I felt my little roach body pressed into the dirt. It seemed to last forever. The pressure was unbelievable. And yet... Suddenly, I was up off the ground. But not free. I was stuck. Stuck to the tread of a tank. And going slowly around as the tread came around toward the front of the tank again. I scampered my legs again, 
but now two of them were not moving. I was stuck face up on a dirty treadmill. I would not survive another crushing by the tank tread. I tried my left wing. No good. It was squashed. I tried my right wing. Yes! I flipped over, landed on my four good feet, turned a sharp left, and ran like a lunatic for the edge of the tread. Zoom! I fell. I hit the dirt and I ran. I ran and ran and ran without even thinking about stopping. Tobias lifted me up from the ground, and I was still running with my four good roach legs. Marco seemed to think the entire thing was hysterically funny, of course. He laughed for the next ten straight minutes as Tobias flew us away from Zone 91. And while Marco laughed, Tobias apologized for dropping me. Tobias set us down outside the boundaries of the secret base. We demorphed in a gully formed by a small stream. Are you okay? Rachel asked me, once she and Marco and I were all human again. Considering I was run over by a tank, yes, I'm okay. Marco grinned. I wish I could have seen the look on Captain Torelli's face when he realizes we've all three disappeared. Rachel punched Marco in the arm. You moron! Why did you keep provoking him with all that alien talk? He would have let us go. Actually, Marco said, with no trace of his usual attitude, he would not have let us go till he contacted our parents. And we couldn't have that, could we? So I deliberately provoked him, because now, he'll just write us off as another bunch of deluded wackos. If we'd seemed perfectly sensible, he'd really wonder what we were doing there with no shoes. Rachel glared at him suspiciously, but I knew Marco was right. Like I said, Marco's a clown sometimes, but he's not dumb. So now what? Rachel asked. It's getting late. We need to get home. You guys should morph as soon as you're ready. It'll be cooling down soon. Fewer thermals equals harder flying. I was starting to feel like an idiot. I was the one who seemed most concerned about the idea of yurks and horses. But we'd learned absolutely nothing. All we'd managed to do was get ourselves detained by the military police and almost squashed by a tank. Rachel obviously was prepared to shrug off the horse controller idea. I think she halfway doubted we really did see the yurk crawl out of that horse. The others were even more skeptical. And I could see their point. Our real problem was about yurks taking over humans. If they wanted to experiment with controlling horses, well, that was a pretty low priority. I hear something, Tobias said. He was perched on a twisted, gnarled piece of dried up wood. Everyone down. Hide till I see what it is. He flapped his wings and took off as Markle, Rachel, and I crawled down under a bush. Unfortunately, it was a thorny bush. Oh, this is fun, Marco muttered softly. It's just some horses. It's okay, Tobias called down from the sky above. Marco started to crawl out from hiding. I grabbed his arm. No, wait, I hissed. A half dozen horses climbed stiffly down from the side of the gully, heading for the water. They were led by a gray stallion. See? Horses. Now can I get this thorn out of my butt? I shook my head and put my fingers to my lips. I watched the horses climb down. I looked closely for anything that looked strange or unusual. But they sure looked like any old horses. Four of the horses lowered their big heads and began to drink. A fifth horse stood guard. The sixth horse was a very nice-looking roan, 
that almost looked like she'd come from a thoroughbred stock. Desmere paused beside the horse standing guard, and almost seemed to be whispering in his ear. Then, suddenly, plop, 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 plop. The horse began to do what horses do, if you know what I mean. That horse is taking a dump, Marco whispered. Thanks for pointing that out, Beavis, Rachel said. We wouldn't have noticed without you. Horse patties, Marco said. Prairie pies. <laughs> that does it. I am not sharing a bush with, Rachel began to say. Shh, look, look. To my amazement, the horse who had been pooping stopped. The other horses looked over at her and neighed. I swear they were laughing. Then the horse in question walked away, moved behind a tree out of sight of the other horses, and finished her business. A modest horse? I asked smugly. Rachel nodded. Yeah, it does seem just a little weird. We waited till the horses had finished drinking and moved on. Tobias flew down and landed beside us. I crawled out through the brambles and brushed myself off. I've never seen a horse hide behind a tree to do her business. I looked at Marco and Tobias. Are you guys satisfied? These are not normal horses. Hello, Phantomorphs. Thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, I am your host, Daniel. Alright, uh, I have uh, maybe the nicest message I've ever received. Uh, not just for this podcast, maybe just in general. This is just an incredibly sweet message. Um, so Casey on Gmail sent me this, uh, subject matter. Thank you for creating these audiobooks. And, uh, the body of the message goes as such. Hey man, I just wanted to let you know how much joy this podcast is giving me. I, of course, loved Animorphs as a kid, but I never thought I'd be in a position to reread the series because there were no audiobook versions. I'm blind, so rely heavily on audiobooks as my primary form of entertainment. Needless to say, I was thrilled when I found your series. Honestly, I just did a search in Google Play Music for Animorphs on a whim, and your podcast came up as one of the top four. I instantly downloaded every episode, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through already. It is as captivating as I remember, and your reading is absolutely excellent. As I said, I've listened to a lot of audiobooks in my life, both very highly produced and bootleg. And man, I know you put down your own narration skills, but I have to tell you that these are on par with some of the most professional audiobooks out there. Your reading is smooth, with very good timing and inflection. Each character has a very distinct voice, and I can almost always tell who is speaking purely from your voice acting. There have been a few moments that have really moved me as well. Anyway, don't mean to go on so long, but I really can't tell you how much I am enjoying your podcast. Truly, keep up the good work, my dude. You should maybe consider starting a Patreon account or something because I, for one, would be very down to donate to this project. Uh, thank you so much, Casey. That is, like, that's just really sweet. That's, uh, like, wow. I, I, I don't really know what else to say other than thank you so much for, for listening and enjoying what I do. That's so cool. Um, and if you do want to donate, I actually do, I think, have a donation link on my website, theapocalypse.com. That's apocalypse with a D in the middle. Um, but that just links to my PayPal and uh, don't 
feel pressure. Just, you know, if the spirit moves you, I make an okay amount of money. I'm, I'm not rolling in stacks, but I make enough where, you know, the bills get paid on time. And uh, so this this project's never really in danger of shutting down because of monetary things. But, you know, it's always nice to not have to pay uh, hosting fees as much as I do. Um, but yeah, again, just thank you so much. Uh, that that was really, that made my night, to be honest. That's such a nice message. Uh, if you'd like to send me a message, you can do that uh, the way Casey has over Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com or on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or on the aforementioned theapocalypse.com. Also has a comment section, I think. Uh, that is all I have for this week's uh, sort of after show notes. Um Wow, that's sorry. I'm still kind of buzzing off uh, this this email. It's really sweet. Um, but if you like this and you use Apple Podcasts, be sure to give me a rating review. Tell a friend if you'd like. Uh, mostly just keep listening because uh, I, I love doing this and I love that people love me doing this. That's so cool. Uh, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.